It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Alex Hogan. Americans' confidence in the military is at its lowest level in over two decades. Military recruitment has been suffering as well, with the Army, the Air Force, and Navy each expecting to fall short of their recruitment goals this year. And these troubling trends come at a time as tensions with China are only continuing to grow as well as increased instability in multiple regions around the world. Earlier this week, we spoke with Florida Republican Congressman Michael Waltz about both why the recruitment problem is taking place and why he says Americans are losing trust in the U.S. military. The former Green Beret discussed his perspective, what he thought the Pentagon officials and lawmakers should do to strengthen the U.S. armed services at a time when it is facing what he calls, quote, the greatest threats in American history. Congressman Waltz also reacted to a congressional forum that was held earlier this week where several Gold Star families who lost their loved ones during America's 2021 exit from Afghanistan. They called for accountability. They shared their pain and their disappointment. We made some edits for time, but we thought that you might like to hear our entire conversation with Congressman Mike Waltz. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now here is Congressman Mike Waltz on the Fox News Rundown Extra. So, um, all right, well, let's jump in so I don't take too much of your time. Uh, Let's start with public confidence in the military right now. It's at its lowest that it has been in decades. Does that surprise you? Well, it's it's quite dangerous, actually, uh, because it directly is being directly reflected in the worst recruiting crisis the military has had since the end of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, the army alone is down between last year and projections for this year, nearly 40,000 soldiers uh, that w- it will take a decade. Um, to rebuild and fill. That's assuming that the downward spiral stops. Uh, so this this lack of public confidence, I think, comes from a number of places. Uh, first and foremost will be the debacle and disaster uh, that was the Afghanistan withdrawal. Uh, I think that's affected a lot of current um, active duty members thinking about having their kids join a military that would be uh, that would be treated in such a way. And then there's the the political aspects of it. Uh, On the one hand, you have the first African-American secretary of defense uh, in the department's history as his first measure ordering an an, a, a halt of all military training to deal with, the, in his words, overriding scourge of white supremacy, which has turned out the data has shown not to be true. Um, But I think that certainly has an effect on minority families who would want their child uh, to to join a military that's overrun with white supremacy. And then the flip side of that is the wokeness that we're seeing. Uh, And I think that's had a huge impact. Uh, The the military's recruiting base is in the Midwest and the South. Uh, And, you know, I don't know any family that wants their kid to join and be told that, you know, they're they they come from privilege or that they're oppressors because of the color of their skin or because of past wrongs in American society. So 
I think the bottom line is we have to get politics out of our military. We need to get it refocused on winning our wars and being ready to uh, to defend the homeland. And that is something uh, I, for one, have been laser focused on uh, as a chairman of military readiness on the on the House Armed Services Committee. Yeah. Well, there's also, of course, uh, the issue of sexual abuse. There's suicide uh, concerns that it's. Yeah. Too extreme, as you mentioned, too woke. So right now, as you just try to tackle public perception, I mean, where does that even begin? Do we need to be having more conversations about what needs to change? Do we need to implement more policy on an immediate level? Yeah. What do you think the well, first measure should be? So look, be? I, I want to say, I mean, of course, we need to take seriously uh, any type of sexual abuse or sexual assault. And of course, uh, a, a mental health crisis and the suicides. Um, but at the same time, I think that narrative, while well-intended, has been so mm-hmm. strong that it's giving a lot of people the impression that, hey, I don't want my daughter to, to join the military and, and have to deal with that. Or I don't want uh, my child to, to come out with all of these mental and physical health issues. And so to answer your question, what we need in the short term is our leaders in the Pentagon out in schools, out in colleges, out in the inner city and and, and, and the Rust Belt and Midwest saying the military is a great place to be. America is absolutely worth defending. Uh, Here are all the instances where the military was a pathway out of poverty and into the middle class for generations of America and talking about the skills uh, and the patriotism that's involved there. But instead, we have the leaders in the Pentagon right now talking about climate change, uh, talking about white supremacy and talking about diversity, equity and inclusion as a, as a result of it. So really, in the short term, what we need is leadership that America is the greatest country on Earth. Uh, and the military is certainly a place that uh, any family would want their their child to have the, you know, uh, you know, to have the real benefits and lifelong benefits of service. Okay, so so more messaging schools about the inclusivity that people could feel and the benefits that people do feel when they do come out of military, that service, that camaraderie, that pride in this country. Now, taking a a little diversion from that, but talking about people who do Mm -hmm. want to be in this country so desperately with the number of migrants arriving in the U.S., which has put a large strain on small border towns and even major cities like New York City. What do you think about offering them citizenship if they serve? We've already seen a growing number of legal immigrants enlisting with a fast track to citizenship. So what about some of these groups of migrants who are arriving? What's what's your opinion on that? Well, we have a history in the United States that if you're a legal immigrant, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you put in, it's varied over the years, but that you put in a period of service, uh, you know, you're willing to die for this country that you fought to come to, but yet did so legally that you have a, a pathway to citizenship. Uh, but I can't see supporting it all. Uh, and it actually would incentivize, I think, illegal immigration um, and incentivizing that and giving that a pathway to, to service. That's not something uh, I or I think any any Republican would support. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. 
Now, going back to a topic that you had mentioned earlier, the Afghanistan withdrawal, one of the mm-hmm. reasons that we're seeing right now for dissatisfaction with the military, uh, this week, Gold Star families of the 13 U.S. service members who were killed in the Kabul suicide attack, they spoke before Congress. Uh, it was a very moving and emotional moment, many of them saying that they wanted accountability. Do you think that that's something that they will receive? Well, I'm certainly uh, thrilled that they had this opportunity, and I and I'm thankful mm-hmm. to Fox for covering it live. Uh, they should have had it years ago. Uh, not a single hearing uh, that involved these parents, uh, these family members, was held uh, under the Democrat-controlled Congress, which I think is shameful. Uh, and and they do need to be heard. Their stories uh, need to be told. I've dealt with Gold Star families as a, a now retired colonel. Uh, sadly, my entire career and their grief is just overwhelming, but I've never dealt with a group of Gold Star families that were so angry. And the reason they're so angry uh, is they feel like they've been lied to. Uh, Many of them feel like they've been misled on exactly how their sons or daughters died. Uh, Some of them still don't have all of their personal remains and uh, uh, facts from their loved ones. One told me that uh, their, their cell phone that was on them was was sent to them but the sim card with all of their photos was removed and they can't get Mm. a straight answer on why they can't get that and then finally i think the real stab in the back that they feel uh which we heard in the testimony was one uh president biden you know frankly just lied directly to them and said he empathized with them because his son Bo came home in a casket. Now, we all know that he sadly died of cancer in a hospital. But you don't lie to a Gold Star member uh, and and say that he was killed in, in combat. And then, two, to hear uh, President Biden and uh, his cabinet repeatedly describe the withdrawal as an outstanding success uh, is just um, gut-wrenching to these families. And on top of that, Uh, To have zero accountability, not one official fired, relieved, even laterally transferred uh, as a result of it, I think has has just been a a slap in the face to every one of them. And will we see accountability? Well, I can tell you we have ongoing investigations uh, in the House. We've uncovered a number of things. Um, We uncovered the sniper at Abbey Gate had the suicide bomber in his sights and was denied permission to take the shot. We've uncovered the, the diplomats and in Kabul, uh, formally warned the Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken, what was going to happen if they continued down this path, uh, yet they continued anyway. Um, but it, sadly and frankly, disg- disgustingly, to, in, in my view, we've been stonewalled at every turn to get any additional information. But we're going to continue to press, and my promise to those families and every veteran out there. Uh, is that uh, we're not going to let this go. And as long as I'm in this position, uh, we're not going to forget. And as you mentioned, that's, you know, a major concern on potential recruits' minds, their families who might see their child enlist, and the dangers of what could happen if they are sent overseas anywhere. So when we talk about the goals of our military, what are some of the other greatest threats that you see around of the world when it pertains to U.S national security right now? Well, unfortunately, I, I, I think we have uh, some of the greatest threats facing this country that we have ever faced in American history. And I don't mean that to sound 
hyperbolic or, or kind of over, over the top. I, I truly believe that to be the case. We have never faced an adversary like we face in, in the Chinese Communist Party that has an economy as large as ours, but that also has created so many dependencies uh, to, that make our economy go. Everything from computer chips to pharmaceuticals uh, to the raw materials that go into into uh, EVs, uh, solar panels, and this green new economy that the administration's driving us towards, which is putting us right into our uh, greatest adversaries' clutches, uh, and has a military uh, that is now eclipsing the U.S. military with a Navy that's larger than the U.S. Navy, with a Space Force that's launching more uh, than us and the rest of the world combined, and with a nuclear arsenal that's on track to triple. That's just China alone, uh, mm -hmm. much less Russia, North Korea with a evolving nuclear program, Iran that's racing towards a nuke, and the still uh, simmering problem of international terrorism that right now has been given a real shot in the arm uh, with the billions of dollars of equipment uh, and, a, and a state uh, in the Taliban-run state of Afghanistan. Uh, so all of that, uh, overlaid with 31, uh, th I'm sorry, 33 trillion in debt now, uh, I think that's the existential question of our time, is how we deal with all of that um, with, the, with the rising debt problems. Well, pertaining to China, as you just mentioned, Russia and China conducted a joint naval patrol near Alaska, and there's been mm -hmm. a lot of pushback from Republicans saying that the Biden administration needed to take a more stern response. So in your opinion, what would a proper response be to what we just saw? Yeah, and then, by the way, I don't mean to make everyone want to drink <laughs> as they, as they <laughs> listen to this, but, um, but these are very serious problems that we face, and that's why you continue to hear from Republicans. Like, of course, we want equal opportunity for every American to serve. Uh, and, and of course, you know, um, you know, we have to deal uh, with, with the climate, but they shouldn't be the number one and two priorities for the United States military, given the threats that we face. Uh, in terms of dealing um, uh, with the flotilla, I mean, this was an 11 warship uh, uh, flotilla that uh, a combined China and Russia put right off the coast of Alaska. And it speaks to a couple of things. One, uh, the decline of our own Navy. We were only able to muster four ships uh, mm -hmm. to go out and, and meet this group. Uh, you know, Biden's last two defense budgets have retired more Navy ships than we're building. So we're, we're going in the wrong direction there and we need to reverse it. Um, number two, it speaks to the growing importance of the Arctic. As the ice is retreating up there, uh, it's exposing vast oil and gas reserves, huge fisheries that were um, previously unaccessible, uh, and actual shipping lanes. Uh, we'll start to see commercial ships flowing over the north of Canada and the north of Russia uh, as it goes between Europe and Asia and the United States, rather than through the traditional routes of the Suez Canal and the Panama Canal. Uh, and the Chinese and Russians want to dominate that. So we need a greater presence in the Arctic. We need um, uh, we need to invest in our Navy and we need to uh, help our allies uh, defend themselves. Uh, that's Japan, Taiwan, South Korea, Australia and others in the in the Pacific. And finally, we need to take a much tougher stand with China. You know, if they want to do things like put a fleet off the coast of Alaska, 
we can sail ships through the Taiwan Strait. Sometimes you have to meet escalation with escalation because the dictatorships are going to push as far as they can when they smell weakness. And I think right now they smell weakness in this White House. So investing in the military, trying to ramp up the number of ships, uh, increasing ammunition, all of this uh, major points that we've heard. And ideally, I think most Americans likely would agree that it's an important issue. Do you think it's a difficult topic to bring up right now when so many Americans are worried about things like inflation and cost of living? Well, look, I think we need to uh, win or lose this um, and, and really have this competition economically before it gets to any type of military. You know, mm-hmm. what does that look like? It looks like bringing our supply chains back home. Uh, if yeah. we can't get them to the United States, let's at least get them to allied countries like Australia and India. Uh, we need we can't be uh, spending billions on a Green New Deal that flow right out of the U.S. Treasury and right into Beijing because they've dominated the solar and wind market. Uh, we need to get back to energy uh, independence that we had just a few years ago. I mean, we have abundant amounts of clean U.S. natural gas uh, that we not only can be powering our own economy on, we could be powering the economies of Europe as we pull them off of dependency on Russian gas. So there's a lot of economic and domestic measures that we could take that would actually help uh, our, our military situation. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, the Chinese seek to win this new Cold War that they are in with us by dominating us economically. And then we throw our hands up and we can't compete from a military standpoint. So I think that's that that is certainly something that President Trump is focused on, that we are focused on uh, in in the House. And I think the right approach and the approach that we're not seeing from the Biden administration. Instead, we see John Kerry on bended knee. Uh, asking for and giving more concessions on climate when you have the most polluting country in the world is the Chinese Communist Party that's opening more coal-fired power plants than the rest of the world combined. But yet they're using this obsession uh, coming out of this White House as leverage uh, in all of those other spaces. And uh, and it's moving us backwards uh, in this competition with China. Now, another global story that the world is watching right now is Niger. The military overthrew the government at the Mm -hmm. end of July and ousted the democratically elected President Mohamed Bazoum. So neighboring African countries, they've warned that they could intervene if he's not reinstated. And countries, including the U.S., have started evacuating some of their citizens. But there's still about a thousand U.S. troops that are stationed there. A lot of the effort there is focusing on counterterrorism efforts. So can you break down for our listeners what danger does this tension pose for counterterrorism efforts, not just for the U.S., but all Western allies? Yeah, sure. So I've served in Niger as a Green Beret. Most of our our troops there are special operations forces. And the the president that was ousted was a key ally in taking on terrorism in that part of Africa. Uh, Al-Qaeda and ISIS are deeply rooted and are growing uh, in that part of Africa. So it, it matters from that standpoint. We certainly don't want another attack on the homeland stemming from there. But it also matters in this global competition uh, for natural resources, filling the void and supporting the generals involved in this crew in this coup uh, is 
the Russian mercenaries, the, the Wagner Group. Uh, and they've deeply embedded in neighboring countries. Now they're supporting this coup. And really what's at stake, some of the world's largest uranium uh, mines are, are at stake. Uh, huge gold uh, and other types of minerals like cobalt, manganese, uh, and, and I won't go down the list of all the critical minerals, but these are the raw materials that make our economy go. And again, as I mentioned to my, the Democrats on my left, you know, you may feel good driving your electric car around or powering your house with solar, but I would love to take them to a Chinese or Russian run mine uh, in Central or Western Africa where tens of thousands of children die each year under horrific conditions. So while they may feel good about their, their lower carbon emissions, the human rights abuses that are going on that feed into those EVs uh, is something they, you know, from just a human rights standpoint, a moral standpoint, they need to pay attention to. But it's the counterterrorism piece, and it's also this race for control of the raw materials that make our modern economy go. And what has this administration done? They seemingly have kind of thrown up their hands, evacuated our embassy, uh, and are shrugging their shoulders, which is, you know, once again, the Russians and Chinese are going to fill the void. Well, it is a story we will be watching for sure. Thank you for your insight and for your time. Florida Congressman Michael Waltz, thanks again. Hey, thank you so much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hey, it's Will Kane, co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend. Join me as I share my thoughts on a wide range of topics, from sports and pop culture to politics and business. The Will Kane Podcast. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.